0: I'm not going to get stuck on baseball. Every time we talk about baseball, you get all these tweets about... Don't give them any publicity. Don't promote them. Don't even talk about them. I I got one here a little bit ago from Jason Tipton, who's a longtime subscriber to our site, who says, Not even 90 seconds of Pirate's talk is too much. We We hear from people at our... Website subscribers who will say that they don't even want to see us cover them. Like, just don't even do them that favor. That's not understanding how journalism works, so I'm not even going to get into that stuff. You cover teams whether they're good or bad. You cover teams whether they're well-run or whether they're the Pirates. You cover them. In fact... I could argue that coverage is never more important from an independent standpoint than when things aren't going well. Because these house organs, you know, like pirates.com, MLB.com, whatever, aren't going to do that. They're just not even going to mention stuff like that. It's not going to happen. So it becomes that much more important that you do cover them. And if you think that by covering them critically, that that's doing them a favor or whatever. No, man. I say this all the time. The pirates are a civic institution. The pirates themselves. This is now going to be their 132nd year of existence in our city. Like The way you think of uh, the symphony, for example, entities that have been around in Pittsburgh forever. The pirates are one of those, and they are so much bigger as a civic institution than the guys who are currently running them into the ground. I hear from readers fairly regularly, you hate the pirates, you hate the pirates. No. No. Anything but. I'm born and raised here. I grew up with the transistor Under my pillow, listening to Pirates West Coast games. Sat on my grandfather's porch with him in the afternoon. Listening to ball games. I still get blown away when I go to Bradenton and get to meet uh, guys who come back from the older teams. I met Rennie Stennett a couple years ago. That just knocked my socks off. Rennie Stennett, when I was really, really young, favorite player on the Pirates. Went 7-for-7 seven seven at Wrigley Field one day. That might never be matched. Kent Tacalvi, Manny Singian, Steve Blass. These, to me, are the, the championship pirates. Steve Blass pitched a complete Game 7 in Baltimore to win the 1971 World Series. Kent T'Colvey threw the last meaningful pitch in franchise history. Omar Marino's around the team more than ever now. He squeezed the last meaningful out in Pirates history. These guys matter. The franchise matters. A lot of the players that have been around for a long time, Andrew McCutcheon, who would love nothing more, by the way, than to spend his entire career in Pittsburgh, has a real thing for the the legacy thing, would love to be known as a lifelong Pittsburgh Pirate. These are the real Pittsburgh Pirates. These people running the franchise into the ground, to me, they're a separate entity. Let's go to Kevin in the car. Kevin, you're on 105.9 EX. Hey,
1: Tim, thanks for taking my car. Hey, I just got a couple things to say. Okay, I understand, you know, you want to say payroll and everything like that. There's other teams that do that. But those teams draft well, like Houston... Florida, and they rebuild, and they have great prospects. They make a great run again, and they do the same thing. We don't. We hit one out of 20, maybe, you know, in prospects. And then on another note, where would we be in attendance without PNC Park? That's one of the best parks ever. If we didn't have that, it would be only worse.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, the credit for PNC Park goes to a lot of individuals back at the time, Uh, the late Mayor Sophie Masloff, uh, was instrumental in that uh, Kevin McClatchy who you know had a rough ride on his way out but that was really <laughs> that was the the project of his life uh, in getting PNC Park built as well as you know might as well throw it out there a lot of the politicians that ended up making it happen the design work and everything else PNC Park is an absolute masterpiece take it from somebody who has covered at least one series in every current and a lot of past Major League ballparks. PNC Park has no peer, And yeah, the Pirates would be in big trouble without it. But at the same time, the one thing that this past season proves is that there's you still got to win. You know, I mean, that place can only be Kennywood to an extent. You still have to put a winning team in there in order to get fans to show up. And it's just mind-boggling to me that the people who are currently mismanaging the pirates as badly as they are and misprioritizing also seem to fail to recognize that there is an actual tangible benefit to winning. You know what I mean? It's like you make more money as you get more people in the seats, and all we seem to hear, and now they, they, they're they're more clever about how they say it than they used to be in the past when they would just blame fans for not coming out. They would just say, you know, well, you're not coming, so the payroll is going to go lower. Now they say things like Frank Coonley was at Pirates Fest where he says, it's on me, it's my burden in order to get the attendance up. That's the new catchphrase that maybe he was coached to say because that doesn't sound like something he'd say anyway. It's on me to get the attendance up in order to get payroll up. But the concept is still the same. They're still telling you the same thing. You're not coming, so payroll will get lower. You are always the horse, and they are always the cart. They don't see it as, man, we're getting this check. We're getting this check for at least $50 million. As much as $68 million, we have right now, right now in our employ at an affordable rate, our city's generational baseball talent in Andrew McCutcheon, who, although he was inconsistent last season, spent two months, I watched it, I covered it, as arguably one of the five best players in baseball, who still got it, who can still bring it for another year. You have every reason... As Neil Huntington said at the recent winter meetings, you have every reason to believe that Gregory Polanco and Starling Marte can contribute a whole lot more toward 2018 than they did toward 2017 for a bunch of reasons. Hamstrings, PED suspensions, whatever. You have a deep, if unspectacular, starting rotation. You have numbers. You have a closer who, for about four months last season, looked like the best in the game. What are you missing? Like you know, three or four bullpen arms? And yet and yet you're sitting there at Pirates Fest facing people, telling them, Well, we're not sure whether we're going to rebuild or retool, whatever the hell that even means. Instead of just saying, you know what? We have a pretty good roster here. This this is what you this is what you do. You wanna you wanna they, they talk about wanting to win Pittsburgh fans over. You know what you do? You sit there in front of them. You face them. All of them, including the owner, for all fans, for all of the Pirates fans. And you say to them, We're proud to be running a civic institution here. We feel like we let you down the last couple of years. We feel like we made some wrong moves, but we're going to make up for that. We're going for it in 2018. That doesn't mean you go all in, doesn't mean you trade all your prospects and all those other euphemisms they try to throw into it. Those are straw man arguments. All you say is, we'll take this existing roster, which we're proud of. We're not sitting here waffling over retooling and rebuilding. We're proud of this roster. And we're going to take this massive, massive, unprecedented one-time payment that's coming to us in the spring, and we're going to apply it. We're going to go get you a starting pitcher that we can put into our top two or three. We're going to build this bullpen into something that we feel can shut down the Cubs and Cardinals. Instead of, was it Frank Coonley saying at Pirates Fest, oh, well, well, it's a good thing the Cardinals didn't get that guy from Florida. Huntington saying uh, at, at the winter meetings, well, you know, we're trying to figure out what we want to be, but we'll have to see how the how the division plays out. Imagine the Steelers or Penguins saying stuff like that. Imagine Mike Tomlin saying, "You know what? We don't. We're not sure what kind of approach we're going to take for the coming year because we want to see first how good the Ravens and the Bengals are going to be, or the Penguins worrying about the Capitals and Lightning, and oh well, maybe they're not going to. They're going to be really good teams." Just stand up there, you know? Be men about it. Stand there and say, we're proud of this team. We're proud of what we're doing here. We're going to add to it. We got at least one more year of the greatest baseball player Pittsburgh has seen in 25 years, and we are going to support him. We're going to go for it. We would like you, Pittsburgh, to get behind us. Who's with us? What do you think that reaction, not that you're playing for a reaction at Pirates Fest, but just imagine what that would have been and obviously way, way, way more importantly than that, that they would have had to follow up on it, follow through. But that's not who they are. That's not who any of them are. Not the ownership, not the front office. That's not who these guys are. It's not in their DNA. 412 333 is the number to call if you want to join in this conversation or anything else Hockey, football, I don't care. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Mike Rupp, and we will definitely be going to hockey when that happens. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dayan Kovacevic. You're listening to 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. What up, man? There's always been an unspoken dynamic. I am a lot smarter than you. Okay, so maybe it's a spoken dynamic. The X at 105.9. The number to call here is 412-333-9939. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. I'm filling in for Mark today, and all of a sudden, I'm like not in this great mood because I start talking about Pirates, and I know what they mean here as an institution. I think some of that's gotten lost in recent years because these guys are running the franchise into the ground and don't really particularly care that they are. There's a feeling of helplessness, hopelessness. There's nothing any of us can do about it. And people get on the media, why don't you criticize we, them? All we do is criticize them. Not to speak for anybody else. All I do is criticize them, other than, you know, when they do good things. But it's just it's such a nauseating subject. I'm gonna take one more call on this and then We're going to flip the switch to hockey because, you know, it's almost Christmas and it's time to be happy about stuff. Even though the Penguins aren't playing well, the Steelers just had a devastating loss. Those are still more chipper topics than baseball, but we're going to close out the baseball conversation with Casey in the South Hills. You're on 105.9 EX. Hey, DK. Hi, Casey. So the argument that you
1: made right before the break, Yep. completely agree with everything you said, but my question is, is – The ownership group, the front office, are they even aware of this frustration on behalf of the fan base? Yes. No, no, no.
0: Casey, the answer to that is yes. However, they think you are stupid. That is why they say the things that they do. And I'm not guessing at this. Okay. I know this. They think that they have all the answers that they are brilliant, that they're eggheads, and all, you know, they're guys that they have walking around the halls with their white-collared shirts, these kids that just got out of uh, you know, Princeton or Harvard that are in there telling people how to manage baseball teams, which, again, I understand the stats aspect of it. I'm trying to summarize for you the attitude that goes with it. They think you are stupid. That's the foundation of what their reaction is with the public. They have once a year where they have to face everybody, or in the case of the owner not face anybody that's who they are they don't have to show up for fan festivals they don't have to answer questions to anybody they don't have to answer questions to us bob nutting used to be one of the most accessible people in town now they they're up there they're they're cherry picking who interviews him you know this is like like politicians they're cherry-picking. Hmm, which one's going to ask the questions that, you know, won't necessarily hurt us? Which one? It's just such an ugh subject, you know? Let's talk about hockey. Let's do that. Um, the Penguins have made a couple of trades. They're not enough. They're not really anything more than clearing Jim Rutherford's throat. Because what really needs to happen here is that Jim needs to find a way to create cap room. He's going to achieve that by trading Ian Cole. There's no doubt in my mind. For those of you who don't know, Cole was relegated to a mythical fourth pairing today in practice. And when you're skating out there with Sergei Gonchar, that's a really cool thing if it's 1998. (laughs) It's not so much when it's 2017. But that's what Cole was doing today. Jamie Alexiak, the new acquisition from the Dallas Stars, gigantic dude, 6'7", 255, can move a little bit too, was on the second pairing. He's going to play. He's going to play against the Columbus Blue Jackets tomorrow night. And the way this looks, Cole will be right back to a healthy scratch because Chad Ruweedle was on a third pairing with Oli Matta. That's where that's going to go. And Cole is going to go. But here's the thing. The Penguins currently have, according to the, the website, spotrack.com, $899,000 in cap room. That just doesn't get you anything. I and mean, That's not one of those deals that you, you can say, all right, we're just going to move a draft pick and pick up some salary. That gets you a, a minimum wage NHL guy. Cole moves And he's another two million, so you're still like around a three million freedom, and that's not good. You can say, well, you can get a three million dollar player, except that you can't use all three million. You have to leave that buffer in. Remember what happened to the Penguins a couple years ago that really embarrassed Rutherford in the front office. Whenever they started messing with the salary cap and were forced to dress only five defensemen and all that stuff, you can't get there again either. So, when you move Cole. It's not going to get you your third-line center. It's also not going to get you, in my opinion, that jolt that's needed right now, that's not coming for some reason or other from your Brian Rust, your Connor Shearys, uh, even Jake Ensel's now gone eight games without a goal. Something else is needed. The easy answer is to say Daniel Sprong, except that when you talk to... You know, real life hockey people, the ones that are there seeing him, evaluating him, they will swear to you up, down, and sideways that he could not come to the National Hockey League right now. He just wouldn't be able to conduct himself properly in either the defensive zone or the neutral zone, which would negate, you know, that wonderful shot release and everything else that he's got. He has to become at least something of a complete player before he comes up. So he's not the answer. And that's a disappointment. It really is. It's not like Sprong didn't know this coming in himself. His focus needs to turn almost entirely to defense, but he's not the answer right now. He's not going to be that jolt. Where is it going to come from? Sullivan's pushing every button imaginable. Today at practice, he actually let he had a super long video session, and then he had decided that the players heard enough of his voice. This is according to reporting from our Matt Geitka on the website. That he decided to have Jacques Martin go out for practice. Of course, a longtime former head coach himself. And Martin really went at these guys. Used some unkind words, some nasty language, got in their faces. At one point, Patrick Hornquist sticked Ryan Reeves, accidentally or otherwise, in the privates. Things got a little bit nasty, but internal is not going to be the solution on its own, because those guys aren't there. They're not in Wilkes-Barre. Those players don't exist this year. Which means Rutherford has to move Cole and somebody else, possibly not just for a third-line center, but also for another player, an energy kind, a younger guy. I don't know. It's easy for me to say, and it's easy for anyone to fantasize what it could be, but right now, Jim's hands are really tied by this cap situation. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Mike Rupp of NHL Network and of AT&T Sportsnet. And don't forget that tonight at 6 o'clock is the Mike Sullivan Show right here on this channel, right after we're done. Can't recommend that one highly enough. Good insight there from Sully. It runs from 6 to 7 p.m. right here on 105.9 The X. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, fan, love the show. Because that's what you got to do. Hey Mark, big fan all that. Right. I, 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 I think you're on to something. DX hey! at 1059. Dan Kovacic of DK filling in for Mark Madden today. Joined now on the phone by Mike Rupp, the NHL Network Analyst, ATT t sportsnet analyst, former Penguin. What else you got on your resume there, Rupper?
1: that's enough that's enough for me right now
0: (laughs) that'll do it let's talk about a little uh, a little bit of news first of all that's outside the Penguins I'm sure you saw the word that the New York Islanders are actually going to become Islanders again Uh, they're going to be building a new arena on actual Long Island out at Belmont Park Uh, how much does that mean Rupper, for the sport a franchise the last one to go three by the way in a row with Stanley Cups uh, that's won four Cups like that you know, to just be stabilized.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, and, and that's what this has kind of plagued this organization, dating all the way back to, man, I, I was originally drafted by them in 98, <laughs> and just prior to that was screaming instability. So mm-hmm. um, it's been a long time coming for this organization, for the fans, all of Long Island, and just to have that thing in place For their sake, hopefully you can snowball the effect with John Tavares and all those other things just to create the stability once again.
0: Yeah, that's the one thing I think that, you know, they were in Pittsburgh recently. The the Penguins did beat them in overtime, but man, are they impressive. there's Some good young hockey players, a lot of speed. Reminds me a little bit of the Islanders that used to give the Penguins fits. The the real fast ones when they had everybody.
1: Yeah, the the one thing that's lacking with this team, though, is um, it's still the goaltending. And uh, they don't Overly defend well, but they can put the puck in the net, and that's something that they haven't been able to do outside of ninety-one. John Tavares over the last number of years, and they're getting some uh, production, and uh, they're, they're having a lot of guys pull the rope, and they're they're a fun team to watch. They can score goals in bunches. They're the leading uh, goal getters in the in the National Hockey League, but. Man, they got to find a way to keep the puck out of their net because sometimes you can't get in those shootouts. And uh, um, and I'm not talking the the post regulation shootouts. No, I know, I know shootout what you meant. Trying to win six five, it's not gonna not gonna bode well for you come uh, springtime.
0: And and further, before we get to the Penguins, I have to bring up because it's the most amazing story in the National Hockey League that as of last night, the Vegas Golden Knights are the number one team in the Western Conference. They're twenty two nine and two. 14-1 and one at home. Uh, Rupper, how did this happen? I mean, how did George McPhee in particular, and not to take any credit away from Gerard Gallant or the players themselves, because they've obviously gotten it done, but George McPhee clearly had to have a vision here, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he did. And uh, this team, there's, there's a handful of teams I, mean, I, I, I just enjoy, and I'm sure all the listeners do as well, just... Just watching NHL hockey, and mm-hmm. there's a there's a handful of teams that when they're on and I'm available, I'm watching them. And uh, Vegas Golden Knights are one of them. Uh, they they just play this way. They can score goals. They're one of the um, leading uh, goal scoring teams in the National Hockey League, and they they are tenacious and they're fun. They're fast. They play. I don't feel like they just play the game the way it should be played. Mm. And they're they're all over the ice making plays happen. They, the only way you're going to beat them is if you can sustain their uh, – or withstand, I should say, their, their pressure. And not many teams can, but they, I think that's the main thing that they put in place with George McPhee is the skating ability. Yeah, that's the new NHL. That's what everybody has. But this team has this chip on their shoulder, and you could chalk it up to a bunch of different things. All the cliches we've been hearing all year about guys – kind of being uh, the leftover pieces mm-hmm. to organizations they're expendable. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's that or guys playing for contracts or penning UFAs, but they're they're tough, man. They're they're really tough to play against and, and why was watching that game last night against Tampa Bay and man, they've been consistently beating the top teams in the National Hockey League. Even if this team goes 500 the rest of the way, I think they finish around 95-96 points. I think they're gonna be in. Oh yeah. And, uh, oh yeah. I didn't see that coming. I don't think many did.
0: No, there's no question about that. I guess this time of year we could refer to them as the island of misfit toys. You know what I mean? All these guys, <laughs> these guys who scored twenty and thirty goals, James Neal, Jonathan Marchus playing for other teams, uh, and now they, they all get stuck in one place. You know what I mean? It's like help yeah, us off of exactly. this thing. And they've they've gotten it done to their credit. On that note, you mentioned the lightning. Is there a team? I know they lost last night, but they also had an eight-game winning streak before that, and they've just dominated the league. Otherwise, I know it's clear right now that they're the class of the Eastern Conference. But are they getting to the point where maybe they're starting to get a little scary?
1: Um, you're saying other teams be be uh, intimidated by the Tampa Bay Lakers? I
0: don't. I don't know if it's if they would. I don't know about that. It's it's a pretty tough Eastern Conference and tight. But at the same time, I just mean like starting to get scary from like how good they can be.
1: Yeah, no, they. I mean, they've got every piece in place. Mm-hmm. When you look at it, they've got from from the outshoot this year the two leading point getters, pretty much in the National Hockey League, and and Kucherov and Stamkos. Um, they've got a, a Norris Trophy finalist and one that I think will be continuing to be a finalist for years to mm-hmm. come, and Victor Hedman. They look like they completely won already this Sergachev trade with Jonathan Duran. Oh my. Uh, yes. He <laughs> hasn't missed a beat, taken over the top spot. I think he'll be up for a Vesna. Um, then you chalk up the, uh, the youth movement that they have. I mean, the, the Braden point, the Yanni Gord, these guys are legit. Yeah. And the projection that Steve Eiserman's had to let go of Jonathan Duran and know that these guys are ready to go and take that next step. And then, You also throw in, all right, well, what about, you know, we talk about the youth and and all that, but what about adding Dan Girardi and and Chris Kunitz? Um, Man, this team has a blend of everything. So, yeah, I do. I think that they're a scary team. I don't really see them backing up. I think they could beat you in multiple ways. I don't even think we've gotten to the point where they've had to do that yet.
0: No, and and Iserman still has more left.
1: I think every team has to deal with some adversity and – I'm sure they will at some point, mm-hmm. but they look pretty uh, unbeatable right now.
0: Yeah, that's part of what makes them scary. Is that you know that Iserman still has uh, money left in the bank. Uh, he still has moves that he can make. The other part is, you know, they didn't wear themselves out for two months this past summer.
1: You know, no, that, that's the silver lining mm-hmm. to it all. Exactly, is is they got that time off. They got healthy, and if anything, since their cup run against the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, that hunger's back, and uh, that that that's all leading to be the no pun intended the perfect storm for this lightning team, and uh, it's looking good so far.
0: Mike Rupp of NHL Network and AT and T Sportsnet is my guest. Rupper the Penguins, of course, acquired Jamie Alexia yesterday uh, from the Dallas Stars. He practiced today on the second pairing, which is a pretty powerful indication that they didn't get him to sit in the press box. Uh, obviously, he's a giant dude at six seven. 255 on the listing but what can he bring what can he bring beyond the size
1: yeah you know and it's really interesting and i give jim rutherford a lot of credit and he certainly has pushed the right buttons over the last number of years but he has this level of patience that you have to have as a general manager in this league and i think the exhibit a would be the goaltending situation last year and not being too, uh, not making knee-jerk reactions. And, uh, we all know how, how the goaltending paid off in the first couple rounds last year to have mm-hmm. both Flurry and Murray. Right. And, um, everyone's talking about, Hey, this team has to do something. They need that center right step. They need this. They need that. And maybe the flatness of this team, but hey, don't make any major changes. It's still early. Um, I'm not saying nothing major is not coming down the pipeline, but. Let's tweak things a little bit, and I think when you add Alexiak and uh, you, you add pieces like that, I think the one thing this team has lost is just a little bit of the tenacity. And, and I'll go back to the Vegas Golden Knights. Yep,
0: perfect. I was that, hoping you'd say that.
1: Yep. That that <laughs> you know, I'm watching that game last night, and the first thing that pops in my head is the Penguins used to forecheck like this. The Penguins used to be quick on pucks and turning pucks over, and that's how they capitalize. And they have a much deeper talent pool than the golden Knights, but somewhere along the way, whether you, you know, I, no one wants to make excuses as if it's the, the two Stanley cup runs, um, whatever it is, they lost that edge. So you, now you inject this new guy in here, you put him in a role where he can succeed. And it's a wake up call because if I'm in that locker room, I'm thinking to myself, Hey, they're looking for something and they're, they're going to try to find in any way they can. So, You try to push those buttons and see if maybe a move like this can in-house just get that edge back for the players.
0: Yeah, that edge is, uh, you know, I mean, you've been there where you're trying to come back off of a long playoff run, and we see right now, you know, in bits and spurts, uh, where you know Sidney Crosby will look like himself, Evgeny Malkin will look like himself, but neither of them on a consistent basis. You know what I mean? And and there's going to be people who look at that and go, "Wow, they don't really care. They're not." Wow, and nothing could be further from the truth, right?
1: No, I, nothing could be further from the truth. I, and I'm not worried. See, the, the thing for me is, and and I'm not giving those big dogs a free pass. Um, but you know, you're going to get that from them, and they've still been good. So, uh, But the difference for this team over the last number of years has been the supporting cast yep. and the ability to force the other team to make mistakes and to hound on pucks and to wear on teams. And we've, saw, we've seen that through Connor Sherry. We've seen it through Jake Gensel. We've seen it through Carl Hagelin in the past. I mean, you can go up and down that lineup. And, and even the defense over the last two years, it has always been the big question mark with this team has never really been that, a question mark. So those guys, the tenacity, the edge that I'm talking about, from the supporting cast, I think is a little bit what's lacking. That's not putting the blame on all of them. But that just more speaks to the success that those guys have helped make with this team. And and that they're right now they just don't have that edge. And if if you don't know what I'm talking about when I'm using the word edge, tune in to uh, – the next Vegas game,
0: and you'll see it. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly what... You know, I'm going to date myself on this one, but that Vegas team reminds me of the the early Florida Panthers. Remember in the 90s? Yeah. They, where they were just... And, and they ended up beating the, you know some great Pittsburgh teams, including the one in the Eastern Conference Final, because they were just constantly just in your face, you know, no matter what you did. Now, the, these, the Vegas team obviously has more talent, but... I think the comparison stands there. You know, Rupert, the last thing I have for you, Ian Cole is probably going to get scratched again tomorrow. He was on a mythical fourth pairing today in practice with Sergei Gonchar, which, is, as I've noted a couple of times on this show, would have been awesome for him about 10 or 15 years ago. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not right now. Um, what, you know, th- what, are we mi- what am I missing in Cole's game here that, that Mike Sullivan might not like? I don't know, it's kind of tough and, and I haven't,
1: you know, spoken to, to Coach Sullivan or, mm-hmm. or, or really, we haven't gotten too much in what I've seen and, um, from his, his comments and, and maybe it's a, a pushing of the buttons. I mean, mm-hmm. Ian Cole's been nothing but heart and soul since he's arrived in Pittsburgh and he's really surprised me and, um, if, you know, that, that trade, if you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, that was Robert Bertuzzo going to to, uh, to St. 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 Louis,
0: straight yeah. up. Yes,
1: yeah. And I remember when the trade happened at that time, and I played against Ian Cole a long time. I thought to myself, "I don't like this trade for the Penguins." I was like Robert Bertuzzo, <laughs> and I, I know, uh, you know, he has some ups and downs to his game, but he's big. He plays hard. He has a little bit of a presence back there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but he's, Ian Cole's proven me wrong in my, and he's been fantastic. And uh, I think he's really kind of been an overachiever, if you will, in Pittsburgh. So maybe it's trying to get that back in, in his game, but also there's no better way to get a message across to the team than to either send a message via superstar or heart and soul guy. And, and you know, maybe that's a little bit of that too. I don't know. I, I haven't seen his game be really bad where I can be like, this guy just simply isn't performing. Um, he's maybe hasn't been the Ian Cole We've seen the last couple of years, but it hasn't been horrible. No. So we'll have to see how the team responds, how how he responds, and uh, see if it's something that can kind of give him a spark. I think that's what they're looking for.
0: Mike Rupp, NHL analyst for AT&T Sportsnet and NHL Network. Thanks so much for your time, Rupper. I'll see you at the right All rant.
1: right. Anytime, DK. Have a good one.
0: Thank you. That segment is always sponsored by Auto Palace Porsche. Make every day a Porsche day with the new When we come back, we're going to take some more of your calls at 412 333 9939. And at the top of the hour, we're going to get in touch with Matt Geitka from dkpittsburghsports.com to talk about this wonderful story that he'd been working on for months that's sitting at the top of our site about Ryan Malone at age 38 trying to make the U.S. Olympic team again. An amazing story. In more ways than one. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dan Kovacevic, and you're listening to 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark Madden, yes, your voice is like sweet nectar to my ears. The last thing we need is a lot of loose talk. Hmm? Hmm? I like it. I like it. The X at 105.9. With the Penguins, which now, especially after being relegated to a fourth pairing in practice today and a parent healthy scratch pending for tomorrow night. He's on his way out for whatever reasons. We can debate that if you want 412-333-9939. But the bigger issue is because there's still very little cap room, less than $900,000, what does Jim Rutherford do? Because that's not going to get you a third line center and neither will Counting that and Cole's prorated $2 million salary. It's just not going to work out like that. There's got to be another component. And then on top of that, add into the mix that you could get, I don't know, the world's greatest third-line center, like Jordan Stahl from when he was 22 years old. And that's not going to be enough to turn this situation around, to make the Penguins overall a fresher, more energetic, more dynamic team. It's just not. More is needed. But in order to pull that off, because of this salary cap situation, more has to be given up. And I don't think it's just a matter of draft picks at this point. I think that you need to see and I hate using this term because it, it, it sounds like hyperbole or whatever. And the fact is that blockbuster trades don't happen all that often, but that's actually what this is shaping up as. Everything about this situation feels like, at the risk of really dating myself here, 1992, when the Penguins went into that trade deadline, understanding that they weren't going to win a second consecutive championship as they were constituted. So they trade Mark Reckey. Craig Patrick traded Mark Reckie. said he knew Reckie was going to be a Hall of Famer. Knew it. Traded him in a massive deal with the Flyers that brought Rick Tockett, Shell Samuelson, and Ken Reggett to Pittsburgh and another cup. That's how this is starting to feel. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Matt Geitka, the Penguins writer at our website, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about this amazing piece that he put together over the past few months that's at the top of our site right now on a 38-year-old Ryan Malone bidding to go back to the U.S. Olympic team. We're going to be back in 30 seconds. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dan Kovacevic. You're listening to 105.9 The X.